Well, good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's good to see some sunshiny faces. Some people are like, it's not 12 yet, so it's not sunshiny yet, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, my name's Ben. I'm one of the campus ministers here, and we got Hannah in the back and Adam, who is leading on guitar this morning, um, but it's so good, so good to see everyone here um, today. Uh, yeah, so last week, we kicked off a series called The Ways of the Kingdom, and super excited for this morning to keep continuing on this, this series of looking at Jesus' teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you're looking on how to follow Jesus, like the perfect place to look is Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus' straight-up teachings of this is how my kingdom works, this is how my followers are, are supposed to, to follow me. And it's challenging. Um, it's not always, you know, sunshines and rainbows like we often think. Um, it's challenging, but it's a good challenge. It's, it's how we can, can truly learn to embrace Jesus and how we can let his, his love... Um, A different microphone, Adam's microphone. Yep. So this is gonna be <laughs> do what? <laughs> it's getting real. So this is gonna feel like a old, little old school today. So can can you guys hear on the speakers at all? Uh, on two, you might need to turn it up a little bit. So th- this is gonna be a fun fun one this morning. So. Uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, we're going to look at the, this, this second part of our series and see that um, Jesus is letting the disciples and crowds know that his kingdom is available to all and how we can follow in that. And so that's what Adam talked about last week specifically is how his kingdom is available to all. And so to be blessed in this sense was to be approved, right? Is to, to, to be approved. And um, so what do we do with this approval and invitation into God's kingdom? That's specifically what we're looking at today in the next section of scriptures. So let's pray and then we'll dive in. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you that um, we can just gather uh, on Sunday mornings and get to, to learn more about you, learn more how we can apply you in our daily lives and what you um, teach us. I pray, God, that just through today that we would, would see how we can follow you more and how, um, you know, we might have some challenging things that we need to work through, um, but to know that's okay. And I pray, Jesus, that we would, um, yeah, just just further shine you into this world. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, if you have your phones, there's a cool app called uh, the Version Bible app, which you probably have on your phone if you have a Bible on your phone. Um, but the cool thing about this is we have our notes on there. If you go into um, like, like the little hamburger section, right? Um, the three layer things, the, the menu bar, and you can click on events and find Christian Student Fellowship. We have like our, our notes for the day, the scriptures we're going through, and um, as well as uh, like like different resources that you can click on, like like books or um, like uh, 
a specific U version devotional study that you can you can work through um, to to go deeper into what what we talk about. So today we're entering a section of scripture that continues in line with the Beatitudes. Ultimately, like the the goal of today is to see how Jesus wants our lives specifically to spread his kingdom. And the rest of the series will be on how to do that. And so today we have a few examples of Jesus trying to stress the importance of our lives spreading his kingdom. Interestingly, it's not only Jesus spreading his kingdom, but he shows his desire for his kingdom to spread through his people, those who follow him. And so we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Some of you might recognize this, this passage. Um, it's fairly common, um, talking about salt and light, and then others as well. So, you are the salt of the earth. And remember, this is coming off the, the section with the Beatitudes. You are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So some really cool verses and then some that might be a little, little challenging. And so if you've uh, fo followed Jesus for a while or been, been in church for a while, you've probably heard that first section, right? That like, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. Um, but sometimes we miss that last half that, that, that is just as important as well. And so if you're taking notes today, uh, we're, we're going to look at how to live a life that spreads the Jesus kingdom. And there, there are three ways. Uh, the first way we're going to look at is called be salt. Right? We're called to be salt. As Jesus said in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. He's giving us the call to be salt. The question is why? Right? Well, in 1802... Thomas More invented something that changed the game. Does anybody know what that invention was? Salt. Not salt. <laughs> <laughs> Pro probably been around a lot longer since Jesus was telling us to be salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> not quite pepper either. Uh, so if you don't know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, in the refrigerator history because he invented what's known as the ice box. The ice box. And so before that point, um, this, you know, like, it was, it was difficult to preserve your food. Um, and so, like, if you lived in cold weather or the snow, like, you could, you could use that kind of stuff. But honestly, that's probably the only good part about living in the extreme cold, right? You know, 
Um, not most people enjoy that. They'd rather live in a warmer area. But um, so this was a big deal in, in preserving food, um, you know, and we've seen like now we have like the double door refrigerators, right? Where, where one side it's like, like cold, just, just enough to keep it cold. And then the freezer section, right? Or, or even like a bottom set, like it's, it's crazy how much it's expanded. Um, but before this, um, people would use salt to preserve food. And the reason um, that, that salt works in preserving food is a lot of very scientific words that I have no idea to say. Um, but the dumbed down version is that, uh, that uh, um, it dries out the meat to where um, it kills bacteria. Um, and then also it has a natural toxic to microbes and most bacteria as well. And so coincidentally, on top of that, salt also gives food taste, right? Um, you know, you think of like plain Jane, yeah, french fries, that's a good example. I was gonna say mashed potatoes, but french fries is a good example. Um, <laughs> Like, like, yeah, if, if you uh, eat a plain French fry, like, it's not as good as if you dump a little bit of salt on it, right? Um, or vegetables or, you know, most different foods. Um, unless you're baking, you don't want to use salt, you want to use sugar. Um, but, like, like, you think about some foods, like, if it doesn't have any flavor to it, it's not as good, right? It just tastes like nothing. And so... If salt loses its saltiness, though, it's no longer good for anything, right? Like it's not salt anymore. And so Jesus was telling the disciples surrounding the people that, and the surrounding people that salt, which had lost its saltiness, ought to be thrown out into the street and trampled underfoot. Because it had, you know, it can't, can't preserve food and it can't give flavor. And so um, it's basically sand at that point. And so, um, a well-known theologian and author that, that I highly respect, his name is D.A. Carson, and he talks about this a little bit. The purpose of salt is to fight deterioration, and therefore it must itself not deteriorate. And so think about that when it comes to us as well. Jesus knew how corrupted the world was, and he knows how corrupt ours still is. Because it's, you know... A, a world deeply ingrained in sin. And so he calls the people in this section, he calls us today to be the salt of the earth. He wants us to bring flavor to people's lives. He wants us to help preserve people's lives. If we don't show them Jesus, then people will continue to live in a tasteless world and continue to live deteriorating lives. But if we're willing to bring salt to them, the world can transform forever. So we need to be salt. And so the second thing in, in living a life that spreads the Jesus kingdom is, is to be light. In verses 14 through 16, we see two sources of light at play. Light from a city and light from a house. The first example, you know, we tend to think of like, well, obviously, like a city on a hill cannot be hidden, right? Um, and so, like, we live in a society today specifically where, where it's filled with light, right? Light posts, lights in our houses, a um, little baseball history so that they could play night games and people at, at work um, could actually go to the games. They started doing, you know, putting up lights in the stadium so that people could, could actually come and watch the games. Um, so there's, there's a lot of ways that, that we see light. 
um, that, that might not be as intense as if he lived in Jesus' day, where pretty much the only sources of light was, was fire, um, lighting a candle. There wasn't much of, of, of light that, that we can see and have available today. And so this would have been more, more impactful, you know, maybe, maybe for them hearing specifically, but I think it's, it's good for us as well um, to, to think through and think about. Um, an interesting fact is that in Canada, it's possible to camp hundreds of miles away from a city. And if it's a cloudy night, and there's not any phosphorus in the area, you, you could be in total blackness. Like, you wouldn't be able to see anything. But if there's a city even 100 miles away, then there's enough life, light for you to navigate through. If you ever go backwoods camping, you will get this experience um, a little bit. It's one of the wildest things I've ever experienced. Um, uh, the first time I ever went, I, you know, was expecting it to be like super, super black out and um, had my little, little light on and I walked out of the tent without, before even putting the light on, I was like, I can see. <laughs> what the heck? I can see in the dark. This is, this is weird, but it's a cool weird. Um, and so, like, one of the, the weirdest but coolest things um, that, that you get to experience, and, like, it sounds weird, but I almost look forward to waking up in the middle of the night to being able to actually see in the dark. <laughs> I, I don't know why that, that experience is there or why that mindset is there, but it, it's cool. And it's because of the lights from the town not too far away giving off enough light to be able to navigate, to be able to see, as well as the moon and the stars. And so being able to see in the dark without using a flashlight, to me, is, is pretty cool and pretty insane. And so if we are the light of the world, a city on a hill is very obviously not hidden. And so more importantly, it shines enough light to those areas and to those who are in the blackness of night. People experience hope, grace, and love because we are like a city that shines um, its light in dark places. That's why people get to experience Jesus' love, is because others are being that light of the world to them. And so Jesus also made it known that we're not to, to hide our light as well, right? We, we have this good news of redemption in Jesus, and so other people need to experience it as well. And so you don't light a lamp and hide it under a bowl, um, like when, when you're in a house, right? Like, like uh, if, for the example, you... You're, you, for example, if Derek's hanging out with, with Daniel, and Daniel's like, hey, Derek, can we, can we have a light on? It's, it's a little dark in here. And so he lights up his little, little lantern or his light on his phone. Yeah, exactly. And then he puts a blanket over it and, and makes sure, like, for the example, the light portion's on the ground, then puts a blanket over it. Like, he's hiding the light, and it, would be, it wouldn't be useful. Like, good for you. You're just going to drain your battery, <laughs> and it's going to do, do nothing, right? It's not even going to help Derek. And so, um, like, not only are people not going to receive light and be able to navigate through the house in Jesus' example, but the person whom the light belongs to won't either. So if we just keep this light to ourselves, eventually we're going to fall into the trap of, like, routine and maybe even lose that spark that keeps, us, keeps that light going on in our lives. And so don't fall into that trap because that's, that's exactly what the forces of darkness want. They don't want you to spread Jesus to the world. They don't want you to, to light up dark places. 
Because that means Jesus is winning. That's the purpose of, of Jesus. He wants to win in your life, and he wants to win in others' lives as well. If you let your light shine, people will come to know Jesus. Prison reform, medical care, trade unions, control of a perverted and perverting liquor trade, abolition of slavery, um, abolition of child labor, establishment of orphanages, reform of penal code. In all these areas, the followers of Jesus spearheaded the drive for righteousness. That's from D.A. Carson. My hope is that as followers of Jesus, we can get back to shining our lights in dark places and letting Jesus truly transform this world with his kingdom. With his kingdom, not our own. So the last way that um, we live a life that, that displays the Jesus kingdom is to be obedient. And so it's easy for us, right, to be able to pull out the bits and pieces of scripture that sound good, right? Like the, the um, you know, in, in the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me, right? Like, like Adam read um, in Psalm 23 today, um, you know, we, we got like, um, like, a, 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 you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven to, to quote from last week. Um, you got just some different chunks of scripture that, that are, what do you want to call, like, like the, the attractive scriptures that we often um, lean into, which, which are good, which are good, and we should do, but sometimes it's easy to fall into the trap of not knowing, like, what the rest of the story or the rest of scripture says, which is just as important for us to wrestle with and dig through and to understand the whole, whole story of the Bible and not just some of it. And so, um, for, for many of us, maybe, maybe we haven't um, dug through uh, this this section set verses 17 through 20 as often and and they're pretty challenging and intense words to be honest um, but I, I think this this uh, quote is is perfect for for what we need to do when we come to these um, why why we need to deal with these harder sections of scripture when it is handled in this way talking about like like uh, for for just picking and choosing um, when it's handled in this way, many important things are lost to view. The historical development of God's redemptive purposes, his people's increased theological understanding as he progressively reveals himself in his ways. The, liter the literary structure which binds together a book or discourse into coherent themes and sub-themes. So the most important theme being specifically how the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. These verses are difficult, but it's clear that what they are about. Jesus fulfilled the purpose of the law. He was the perfect example of what it meant to live as a human. When you read through the Old Testament, it's not hard to see how the writers and prophets were led by God to point towards this coming king that would one day bring his kingdom and restore the world. So what does he ask of us? He asks us, most importantly, to be a part of it, um, but he also calls us to take it seriously. It's not something just to, to, to fiddle around with and, and, and yes, we'll have fun, but it's not something to just you know, come, come and go as you please. It, it's meant to be taken seriously. And, and he says that like in, in verses 19 through 20 in this section. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so um, I, I think, thought back, like, to our All In series, how, like, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be really, really challenging. But Jesus wants all of you. Doesn't mean we can't make a mistake or two, like, like we all will. That's, that's the human condition. That's, that's who we are. But are we going to return to Jesus? Are we going to do our best? Are we going to try our best for, for, for the one, the king, who chose to take on death on our behalf? Who did that willingly because he loves us? And so this quote, I think, talks so, so, uh, so well about, like, specifically the, the righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees and teachers of law. Um, we discover that the righteousness demanded by Jesus surpasses anything imagined by the Pharisees, the strict Orthodox religious groups of Jesus' day. Christ's way is more challenging and more demanding, as well as more rewarding than any legal system can ever be. Jesus never said it would be easy to follow him, but he did promise new life, restored life, a grace-filled life, but we have to follow him. We can't gain the kingdom without the king. We have to follow the king. We have to follow Jesus. Jesus has to be the leader, and we need to follow along. And in the weeks to come, there are going to be some pretty challenging teachings. I mean, and reading through the Sermon on the Mount, you know, there's, there are some challenging things there. But it's going to transform you. If you're willing to follow what Jesus' Jesus's exact words are, it will change you. You'll see how it's rewarding. You'll see the ways that, that your heart is renewed and you experience that new life. So what you need to know is that Jesus came to start a revolution. Like, that's why it's so challenging. He didn't come to just reinforce what's been happening in the past few years. Like, like could you imagine um, Jesus just coming down and saying, like, like, oh, yes, keep doing what you're doing, Israel. It's been, definitely been working for the past few thousands of years. <laughs> if you read the Bible, that's not the case. <laughs> if you read the Old Testament, you see how, how many times these, these different cycle of failures happen because they've chosen rebellion. So Jesus has come to start a revolution, to start something new, this new kingdom, this new king, which is him, himself. He calls us to be different. He calls us to give up our status and take on a new one, beautiful, a beautiful identity that belongs only to him. That doesn't mean we're done once we screw up. That's what's beautiful about it. That's why he came to fulfill the law that we didn't have to. He gives you chance after chance, but it doesn't mean it'll be easy. He even says that it won't, right? He says in, in John 16, 33, that, that you will suffer, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. We get to live in that beautiful um, truth. He loves you, and he wants your heart. So will you follow him? Will you give yourself up? Take up your cross and follow him. It'll truly change the direction of your life. And the amazing thing is you'll get to see so many others changed by this good news of Jesus as well. All because you said to the, yes to the invitation to come and follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, 
thank you for this morning. Thank you that um, we can be challenged. I thank you, Jesus, that you don't just call us to to um, live live a life that doesn't matter, but God, you live a, you call us to live a life that that does matter. You call us to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom, just like you did in the beginning. You call us to be image bearers, and so Jesus, I pray that all of us in this room, that maybe there are some things we would work through um, that would help us to to uh, take on your the identity that that you want to give us, Lord. Uh, we would be salt of the earth. Also, God, that we would be lights in this world that aren't, that, that we wouldn't be afraid to shine that light, God, but that we would light up the dark places that some people who, who are facing the middle of the blackness of night, that our light would help shine and light up their world as well. So thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you continue to do in changing us and redeeming us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.